Holidays are here, and so is fashionable fitness. Gift yourself a Samsung Galaxy Z Flip 3 5G, a phone that folds in half to literally stand on its own. Pair it with the Galaxy Watch 4 for ultimate wellness and wow factor. Check health stats, flex personal records. Over 90 activities can be tracked, like biking, swimming, golfing, and more. Invest in yourself with tech made to crush goals. Holidays open up with Galaxy. Shop it all at Samsung.com. 5G connection and availability may vary. Check with Carrier. Products sold separately. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough. And the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you. So you can always depend on us. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey everybody, this is Sam with National Sports Overtime. And I want to tell you a little bit about me as we start off this podcast. I am a true sports fanatic in every sense of the word. I have been into sports since I was very, very young. Luckily, both of my parents allowed me to watch any sport and encourage me to learn it or to play it. Um, So you're going to hear me talk everything from NASCAR to college basketball to NFL football to even the Premier League soccer. I try my best to pretty much follow anything and everything in the world of sports. Now, am I going to be able to cover anything and everything? No, probably not. I don't want to overwhelm you or burden me. But... I am going to cover most big things. On this podcast episode, you are also going to hear, I wanted to start the first episode off with coaching. And that is something you're going to hear throughout this podcast is motivational techniques, coaching techniques, um, values, culture, uh, belief system, You're going to be getting all of that also from me. I started as a head coach at the age of 19. I was the youngest one in my state. Had held that record until about two or three years ago. I have coached many different high school and middle school sports. Currently, I am not coaching. However, if I do get back into coaching, I'm sure you'll hear all about it. But I have followed and read, attended uh, web seminars and conferences with so many different coaches and taken notes on it that I would feel remiss if those notes just lay on a desk somewhere or lay in a folder somewhere. So I am going to share different ones of those with you guys. So that is going to be 
what this particular first episode is about, and you will see it throughout the podcast. Also on this podcast, you are going to be getting a different podcast that is in this network's feed, which is Daily Sports Betting Overtime. It is where I place bets pretty much every single day on most big sporting events. You usually have anywhere from 20 to 40 free picks for you guys to be aware of and to take research into account and make those bets if you so choose. So that is something else that's going to be there. So many of you don't feel that pro wrestling is a sport. It is sports entertainment, and they are true athletes with the injuries, the bumps, the bruises, and the travel that they have to deal with. So you will also be getting the feed from pro wrestling overtime. And um, there are several episodes of it a week that you will be getting. So I look forward to our journey, and it all starts today. We're going to talk about Coach Anderson uh, Dorrance. He is the University of North Carolina's women's soccer coach. He has won 21 out of 31, yes, you heard me right, 21 out of 31 NCAA Women's Soccer Championships. He is considered the best women's soccer coach in college soccer at this time. He has a record of 1,061 games won. Now, notice I said over 1,000 soccer games won. Compared to 142 games lost. That's right. His record is a basic, basically 1,000 and 150. He's had 63 ties or pushes whichever one you would like to consider. I had the pleasure of attending a web conference with him, and he was discussing his core values, his program's core values, and what ultimately becomes his players' core values. He talked about how every year he meets with his up-and-coming seniors or his up-and-coming leaders. And he usually does that in the spring or summer, and that is the reason why I wanted this to be the first episode you heard of this particular podcast. In that meeting, he said that he usually... Starts off one-on-one. He already knows the player from recruiting them. From them playing for him for three years. And that they're pretty comfortable with him. However, if they're a player that maybe doesn't start. Maybe uh, is a backup. 
or is someone that has transferred in, then he wants to take this time to make sure they get to know him and he gets to know them because he is going to be depending on them so much in the upcoming season. Then they start discussing the core values of the program, what they can do in order to live them, and how they can teach them to the underclassmen and help drive everyone within their culture to live them. And he said that he understood that some will, some won't. And that's okay. Because he also believes in a situation where sometimes you must plant the seeds in someone and it may take two to ten years for those seeds to sprout out and actually grow. He said most in his University of North Carolina soccer program do sprout and grow he always hopes by his junior, their junior and senior years. However, he said that he has had some that has taken quite longer. They usually come back to him and talk about what the core values mean. He said it's important when a coach sits down with their coaching staff and creates the core values that they believe in them. He also believes that they need to be simple and straightforward. Don't use any big language in order to try to get them across. He said, speak like they speak. A lot of times what he also does is he uses quotes throughout literature or history in order to drive them home. He said especially if you can use something that they have read or seen. And I think all of this kind of comes across in his very first one that he talks about. And that he makes sure, like I said, his seniors not only believe in, but pretty much try to live by. He understands that everybody can't live by them at all times, but his very first one is, we don't whine. And I think that's pretty powerful, that that's their first one. Because when I see a lot of teams, when I go visit them, and you walk in their locker room, or you walk in their stadium, you walk in uh, the arena, the gym, you walk out on the field and you see it um, on the press box or on the back of their dugout or something like that. A lot of them uh, begin with be on time. And he doesn't really believe in that. As far as, yes, he wants them to be on time, but he thinks that's a human being type thing. And he does have it in his procedures and in his rules and his beliefs and stuff like that. But it's not one of their core values 
because he said that's kind of almost assumed. But he wanted to start out with, we don't whine. Which means that we use facts and reasons, not excuses. So, when you watch the North Carolina women's soccer team, you don't see them whining to the referees about red cards being called, yellow cards being called, about a ball that wasn't out of bounds or a ball that was out of bounds. You don't see them whining. But it goes even down a level. You don't whine to your coaches. You don't whine about how hard practice is or how hard they're pushing you because that's what makes you better. You also don't whine to your teammates because they're going through the same struggles as you. They're dealing with injuries also. Now, they may not be as big as this other player's, but they're still going through things. They may You may be going through, as a player, something physically while another player is going through something emotionally. He also talked about how we don't whine to our teachers about our schedules or about what we've got going on or what's happening in our lives to try to get favors. There's no point in doing that because, again, the other students in the class have other things going on. So he talked about how we don't whine also leads into respect. Respecting the officials, respecting your coaches, respecting your teammates, respecting people around you, and taking a step back and realizing that the things you whine about are about you. And by you doing that, you're being selfish because you're not considering what other people are also going through. The second core value that he talks about is the truly extraordinary do something every day. Now let me repeat that. The truly extraordinary do something every day. And he talks about how you have to be self-disciplined. And the example he uses is summer workouts. Summer workouts are a lot of times given to players by their coaches and they're usually done in a one-on-one session where they go over the summer workouts, they give them to the player, and in a lot of high schools and middle schools, summer is kind of off limits to most coaches. Now, there are some states out there that allow you to work maybe a month with a set of students or two weeks, or a week, or what have you. In college, um, they are allowed certain times, but he said that a lot of times, summer workouts are done on the player's own, unless a group of them get together to do them together. But summer workouts are about self-discipline. And do the players substitute things? Or do they omit 
things. See, the truly extraordinary do the work every day. They do what it takes in order for them to get better. And in order to get better, you have to have a plan. And so he talks about creating plans with his players, teaching them how to plan, teaching them how to go through and proceed with a plan, and then how to do a plan and be accountable to yourself every day to do what you planned, and then how to evaluate that plan at the halfway mark, and then at the end. And he talks about, this is important to his program, in the players seeing themselves get better, holding themselves accountable and having self-discipline. But this is what works in their life. He's talked about how he sees so many young adults, especially at the college level, not knowing how to plan their day, how to plan their morning, how to plan their afternoon, how to plan their evening. And he said it's got to be more than someone passing you in the hallway saying, hey, you want to meet me for dinner tonight? And they say yes. Okay, where do you write that? How do you plan on going about that? What do you plan to do with the rest of your day? And how does that work with your time and time management? But then he goes back to summer workouts and how not only do you have to plan what you're doing during that workout. Take for, ba- take for instance basketball. There are a lot of basketball players out there that plan to do summer workouts. And a lot of them plan to do that every day. But do they truly? See, the truly extraordinary do do something every single day. So what is your student-athlete doing? Are they saying, I'm going to work out from 1 to 3 every day? Or are they saying, I'm going to work out every day? Do they have a written plan? I'm going to shoot from 10 spots on the floor, 100 shots apiece. I'm going to track those, whether I make or miss those. Then I'm going to go inside the lane. I'm going to do drop steps. And I'm going to do 100 of those on each side of the basket. Then I'm going to turn and shoot baby hooks into the middle of the lane from each side of the post a hundred times on each side. And I'm going to keep track of those. I'm going to shoot, you know, 200 free throws. I'm going to keep track of those. I'm going to shoot this. Do they have a plan for their workout? I know when I was coaching, there were so many times that I walked into the gym sat on the bleachers because I wasn't allowed to work with the players, and they would come in for an hour or two with no plan, and they would start out shooting maybe 10 spots, but then they would get bored or get sidetracked 
or someone wouldn't be there to rebound him, and they got tired of chasing their shot, and they proceeded to goof off. They may get 200 shots in, but they're not 200 shots at game spots, game speed, uh, in game-like situations, which is what we want them to do, what we want them to practice. Um, You're not going to be shooting but maybe one half-court shot per game. And usually that doesn't happen one per game. But let's say one half-court shot per game out of the five players we have on the court. I'm really not sure taking 200 shots from half-court is worth that. Maybe you need to take them a little closer. But that seems to be, when left to their own wants, what a lot of players want to practice. Because that is what will get them the recognition. They don't realize that the sweat equity work comes in to shooting shots in the paint, shooting the mid-range jumpers, shooting the three-pointers. How many times as football coaches do you guys walk out onto the field and you see your starting, one of your starting linemen, maybe your left tackle, instead of working with the blocking sled, they're over with the receivers acting like the quarterback. How productive is that? And do they understand that doing something every day the truly extraordinary concentrate on their particular position, their particular, um, what they are supposed to be doing for the team. The third core value that he talks about is we work hard. Period. We work hard. You have to be able to push yourself. You have to be relentless. Uh, And since I talked that I have another podcast named Pro Wrestling Overtime, I'm going to use this with a pro wrestler that I really enjoy. His name is Darby Allen, and he has tattooed on him Relentless. And he is. He practices things over and over until he gets them exactly right. Do your players do that? Are they seeing you be relentless? Are they seeing you work hard? Now, coaches, I am not talking about you guys getting out and running sprints or running to first base with them. I'm talking about do they see you work hard as far as you having a plan before practice, during practice, after practice. Do you work hard during practice watching them? Or or are you on your cell phone? Are you talking to someone else? They need to know what working hard looks like, what it means. You have to show them. And I think this is one reason why Coach Dorrance, 
at the University of North Carolina, sits down his seniors and talks about what being a senior leader as a North Carolina Tar Heel means. And it means working hard at all times so that the freshmen, sophomores, juniors can see you. And that, like I said, means before practice, during practice, after practice. Working hard during games, but also working hard before games. Whether that be in the classroom, whether that be in your room, it means working hard at doing what you do. His fourth core value was we don't freak out over ridiculous issues. And that's exactly what he said. We do not freak out over ridiculous issues. And he said, I know a lot of you are wondering what that means. He said, a lot of you laughed because you immediately thought of something that happened on your team that people on your team freaked out about, and it was absolutely ridiculous. One thing is, when your team is freaking out, or when a player is freaking out over something ridiculous, they don't realize that at the time. So, what you've got to do is to teach them to step back Not to freak out, but to step back and examine the situation and say, is this ridiculous and do I need to freak out? He said, we do not create crisis where none should exist. Let me repeat that. We do not create crisis where none should exist. And then he talked about things such as socks. They've forgotten their socks today. So they want to freak out. We'll step back and say, do I need to freak out about this situation? Well, no. I need to borrow socks from someone else. I need to go to coach, see if they have any socks. I need to solve the situation and freaking out about it, running around the locker room, telling everybody about it, getting them worked up. That's not going to get me to a solution. And then he went to a bigger example, such as one of your starters getting hurt. Now, to a lot of people, if they're, you know, leading scorer, they're leading pass person, they're uh, leading point getter in track, they're superstar hitter in softball or baseball, Getting hurt would be a situation where, oh my gosh, we need to freak out. This is not a ridiculous situation because this may affect whether we win or lose. But 
when you step back, number one, should you freak? Number two, is it a ridiculous situation? For anybody, whether you're a parent listening to this, whether you're a player listening to this, whether you're a coach listening to this, you've watched sports long enough to know injuries happen. They really do. They happen on every team. Now, do they happen to the leading scorer or the leading leader on your team all the time? No. But they do happen. You should be prepared for them. Their backup should be prepared for them. Anyone who's not a starter should prepare like they're going to be a starter for the very next game. Because it can happen. So if you as a coach do not freak out over injuries, then they don't freak out. It is now next man up. And so you don't create a crisis where there is none. You just make the substitution and tell that now starter that's their spot and they have been preparing for this and for them to go on. So that has to be one of their core values. That you can be dependent on because you've been working hard. Because you've been doing the extraordinary every day. And because we don't whine about situations. We deal with them. We're not going to freak out. And make this into something more than what it is. His next core value is we choose, and yes, I'm stressing on that, we choose to be positive. And he tries to catch them being negative about situations so that they can see where they should be positive and choose to be positive. And he talks to his senior leaders and his leaders about being a rock and how no mood swings, no circumstances can affect the rocks because they are choosing to be positive. They are choosing to be someone solid, someone stable that everybody can depend on. And he talks about how if he has even half of his team being rocks, being solid, stable, and positive, that he can have true winners as a team, but also in life. Because they can take a negative that other people fall apart about, and because they're solid and stable, they can give positivity to everyone else. With, I believe it's, uh, yeah, number six. I actually probably would have put this one number one. But he said, we treat everyone with respect. 
no matter who they are, we treat them with respect. He said, class is a graceful way you treat someone even when they can do nothing for you. I always go back to a lot of my friends point out to me that I'm overtly polite. And I am. I was raised that way. Um, things that I read when I was younger taught me to be that way. Luckily, I had great coaches from Midget League up that believed in treating people with respect. And I do that, and I didn't realize it was noticeable. Well, I think in this day and age, it is. I think with social distancing ending, and we have fans coming back to sporting events, we are interacting with people at the store or gas station, wherever in our lives, that you're seeing that a year of us pretty much being isolated or at least socially distancing from others that so many people have lost their show of respect. And to go deeper, their actual respect for others and what they do. And a lot of times, there are people out that can do nothing for you that you still should treat with respect. And it's just people maybe walking along the sidewalk and giving them a nod or saying hello. Or if someone drops something when you're on a street corner, helping them pick it up. But it also goes up to you're sitting at a table in a restaurant and saying thank you to the waiter or waitress or um, the staff that clears your table or hands you something. Um, but it also goes with respecting your teammates, respecting your team, respecting your coach, respecting referees or officials, respecting the athletic director. And how you treat them. The tone you talk to. Using your manners. Please, thank you, you're welcome. All of that. Calling someone by their title. Remember, class. Having class. We'll, we'll, we'll say a lot of times that that kid's a class act. Well... That's how you treat someone when they can do nothing for you. It's players coming off the field and acknowledging fans that have sat in the snow cheering for them. We care about each other as teammates and as human beings is the next core value so many times that there are teammates that don't particularly like each other. And they don't respect or care for each other. They could care less if they fall down. They do not hustle over to help them up. 
They don't ask them if they're okay. But then we also see them not caring about each other, even on a human being basic level. And they should. We talk so much about our teams being families. Families fight. Families disrespect each other. Families are mean to each other. Families poke at each other. But, if they're true families, then they also get through it, get over it, talk about it, and figure out ways to fix it. So, are our teams and teammates doing that? And if not, then we need our senior leaders or ourselves as coaches or even parents to step in and teach them that they may not know how to do that in a situation. Number eight is we may not play as much as we would like but we still support the team and its mission at all times. A lot of times players don't understand why they're not playing as much as they like. A lot of times we as other teammates, we as parents, we as uh, community members, we as coaches need to talk to the player about still supporting the team, still supporting its mission. But coaches, it's so valuable and important that we pull them in to our offices. We pull them over to the bleachers. We sit with them down on the field. And we talk to them about roles, about playing time, and that we're honest and realistic with them. Maybe you have a superstar freshman coming in either from your middle school or from high school, and they don't understand why they're not starting. They don't understand why they're not playing the majority of the minutes. It's very important for us to set them down and explain why they're not living up to the expectations they have. And it may be something simple as they just don't understand our program. They think they're working hard. There was a study done and a survey taken of players where someone they had never seen came up to them and asked them to take a survey and to give honest answers that they weren't going to use their names. They weren't even going to ask their names. And 95% of the players said they were working as hard as they possibly could. Now, as parents, coaches, community members, we know they're not. We know every single practice they are not working at 100%. But they think they are. They don't realize they can go further. They don't realize they need to be pushed. They think after that 10th sprint, they can do no more until we push them to do five more. And then they realize, oh, I can do 15. Same thing in the weight room. 
Same thing that in the beginning of your season, when you take baselines, their baselines will be totally different, or should be, halfway through your season. And at the end of your season, their baselines will again be totally different. Hopefully because they have pushed themselves. Their teammates have pushed them. Their coaches have pushed them. But most of all, inside of them, the desire, the determination, their self-discipline has made them get better. So we want them, when they think they're going 90 to 100%, to realize we know they're probably going at 40 or 50% of their capability, and we need to go harder. By them pushing themselves, then this not playing as much as they would like sometimes fixes itself. Sometimes, even if they are truly going at 90 to 100%, they're just not as good as the person in front of them. And they need to practice. They need to work. They need to understand. They um, need to figure out things mentally. Maybe they need to keep their emotions under control. But we need to be honest and authentic with them with what their role is now, what their role could be, and what we expect it to be. And it is always to support their team and the mission. They need to also, as a core value, understand we play for each other. When we play for each other, then he states, because he coaches women's soccer, this is the kind of player that works herself to death, covering for all of her teammates in the toughest games. Her effort, her care, and her verbal encouragement make her special to play with. And so your senior leaders or your leaders of your team have to understand we play for each other. We're a brotherhood, we're a family, whatever terminology you want to use. That we understand that maybe our teammate can't get to the position they need to be on this play. So I've got to back them up. I've got to hustle to cover for them. Um, they miss a ball in baseball or softball. I have to hustle to back them up, to cover for them. Um, in soccer, you know, they've been taken out of a play. I have to fill in that position for them. You know, um, in football, my fellow lineman is getting double teamed. I need to do what our offense tells me to do, whether it is to open up more or whether it is to take one of those uh, defensive men that are rushing the passer. So you need to make sure that they understand that we play for each other. 
We back each other up. We cover for each other. We help each other. One of his last core values is we are well led. And he defines this as this is a verbal leader that is less concerned about her popularity and more concerned about the high standards in driving everyone to their potential. Sometimes being a leader, whether it you as a parent, whether it is you as a boss or supervisor, whether it is you as a captain of a team, whether it is you as uh, just the leader of a particular unit, in order to get people to go where we ultimately want to go, where our vision is at the end of a season, sometimes you've got to say things that are going to make you unpopular at the moment. And that's hard for players, number one, to even attempt, but number two, to get used to doing And number three, to walk a line where players do listen to them and don't turn them off because they don't believe in them. And that is what we've got to teach to the leaders of our different teams because they need to know how to do that in life. People have a tendency, it's human nature, not to like people correcting them. They have a tendency not to like people telling them, hey, you're doing this wrong. There's a different way of doing this. There's a correct way of doing this. Our team does it this way. But there is also a difference in, you know, something simple as, positioning your feet correctly. A lot of players are take that, you know, really well. Hey, your feet aren't positioned right, you're not balanced, or, you know, you're going to get taken advantage for this. They take that fine. It's when you tell them you're not working hard, you're not pushing yourself, you can do better. Or if we're warning them, As far as so-and-so is working hard. They are being relentless. You've got to pick it up. It's all based on terminology you use, how the tone you say it, and that's what we've got to help our leaders with in order to be well-led. And at that particular moment, no, everyone is not going to like them. One of the best things that I had happened the very first year that I coached was when we were running sprints, a leader on our team said, not everybody touched the line. And the way that leader stated that wasn't condemning anyone. Now, the person that didn't touch the line knew who they were 
But that team had a leader that wasn't afraid to stand up and say that. I also, when I think of this, I think of... I um, believe it was the 1998 Florida Gators basketball team. Billy Donovan still talks about it. How they had a sophomore leader come to him. Actually, they had two sophomore leaders come to him and state that they had a junior on their team that was going against some team rules. And eventually that junior ended up being kicked off, almost cost the Florida Gators um, some wins in some situations by breaking NCAA rules, was investigated, um, and wasn't allowed to play college basketball again. And Billy Donovan talked about how nervous, scared those sophomore leaders were and standing up, were telling him, this person is breaking our values, our beliefs, the system we have set up. We have talked to him. And he continues doing it. And a lot of people see that, oh, they're being snitches. Well, when it comes down to costing you forfeited games, getting you in trouble, getting you banned maybe from the NCAA, uh, having violations, uh, getting scholarships taken away, anything like that, no, you want, they are not snitches. They are actually leaders that are helping your team stay out of trouble and need to be treated as such. And then... Coach Durrance's last core value is we want our whole lives to be never-ending ascensions. It means you're always going up. You're always working toward a new goal. You're always working toward the next win in your life, the next championship in your life. And how our teams need to be humble and gracious high achievers. They need to be thankful for life and have eternal optimism towards reaching that next ascension, that next goal, that next championship. And so we need to teach players on the team in our core core values and stress it that we win this play, we win this pitch, we win, you know, this segment of a race, and then we proceed on to the next. (coughs) And those little bits will get us to, you know, another ascension, which will be the win. The win of the race, the win of the game, the win of the match, whatever. And when you put together those wins of matches, races, and games, then our next ascension is we win championships. And because we win championships, then we may win 
another championship or another championship. Or we take that championship and we rise again and we create something else out of it. That's how you become a true winner in life. So you've got to compare that, show them that by working on a uh, project, (coughs) excuse me, by getting one paragraph done of that paper that they have to write is a isn't a win it, it is an ascension and then getting the next one done then getting the paper done getting a good grade on that and then working on the next project the next paper the next lab that that concludes to them getting a good grade in that class <coughs> excuse me and, and then having good grades in that one class works towards having good grades in their major, works on getting good GPA, works on them graduating college. Because they graduated with a certain GPA, then they got this honor at graduation, which will allow them to now attend graduate school or to go into the job market and instead of maybe starting out at entry level with a lower GPA, maybe they get to start out at the next level. Maybe if they enter at entry level, they need to set goals in order to get them to the next promotion, the next level. And that is what it is all about, isn't it, coaches? Isn't it parents? Isn't it as community members? Isn't it players that are listening to this? It's about being motivated and knowing how to plan and achieving those plans without substituting or omitting things and working hard and being relentless and staying positive and not freaking out over little things. See how these core values all come together. And their core values not only on the North Carolina women's soccer team. They become the core values of your life, of your work, of your family, of everything if they are truly embedded to your core. And are truly what you believe in. And so Coach Dorrance sits this down and talks to the seniors about living these core values so people can see it reflected in them. And how they need to hold the underclassmen accountable as he is going to hold them accountable. So, I really wanted to start this off as the very first episode of National Sports Overtime because I wanted to show you this is going to be more than just reporting on sports. It's going to be about motivation, about different coaches' lives, what they're doing, 
but it's also going to be about how maybe certain teams aren't living up to things like these core values or their own core values. <coughs> You're also going to be getting some news, and if you look back, there was a pre-episode on what NBA news is going to look like. Am I going to go over all the news of the day or of the week? No. I'm going to pick out topics, and we're going to discuss them, and discuss what happened, why it happened, and what are the effects on the future. And if it pertains like a trade did in that NBA episode, then we're going to break down how it could affect both teams in the near future, meaning maybe next season, but how it can affect them in the fur future as far as seasons past. So I hope that you enjoy the National Sports Overtime podcast and all the different variables and topics that we get to cover. As you saw, the name of this episode had coaching in it. And so you can look for further episodes to be like this when it has that title. When you see NBA news, you now know what that pertains. When you see daily sports betting overtime, that is the betting podcast and will tell you what to bet on maybe for those particular days. So look at the titles. If it's a sport you're not interested in, you may want to give it a try if it's 10 or 15 minutes long. Or you may not know, or you may know, hey, I don't really like this topic whatsoever. Skip it and go on to the next one. But I hope you always enjoy it. You can reach me at my email, nationalsportsovertime at gmail.com. Twitter has already been set up. It is Nat Sports OT. N A T, the word sports OT as the Twitter handle. Feel free to follow us and feel free to DM us. Our DMs are open. You can always talk to us about any given thing. So I will end this now. If you don't have any questions, comments, problems, or protests, then you don't need to write me. But if you do, if you have ideas on what you may want to hear in the future, please write me. I'll be talking to you guys soon, and I'll see you down the road. Holidays are here, and so is fashionable fitness. Gift yourself a Samsung Galaxy Z Flip 3 5G, a phone that folds in half to literally stand on its own. Pair it with the Galaxy Watch 4 for ultimate wellness and wow factor. Check health stats, flex personal records. Over 90 activities can be tracked, like biking, swimming, golfing, and more. Invest in yourself with tech made to crush goals. Holidays open up with Galaxy. Shop it all at Samsung.com. 5G connection and availability may vary. Check with Carrier. Products sold separately. For the ones finding new ways to ensure the job always gets done. For the ones wearing many hats. For the ones who are hands-on, even from far away. And the ones keeping business moving forward. We are Granger, Offering supplies and solutions for every industry. With 24-7 support and experienced staff at over 250 local branches. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger 
For the ones who get it done.